0: The official Aston Villa Supporters Trust. Star guests, players, famous fans. Subscribe now, wherever
1: you get your podcasts. Now, here's Johnny Gould. Absolutely delighted to welcome back the professor of FFP, Dave Jordan, the artist formerly known as Yorkshire ABFC, Dave Knows. His explainers detail a process which has become even more confusing since COVID interrupted the season and with it the whole of the football industry. No wonder his last episode remains the biggest in the series of Villa Trust podcasts so far. So stay tuned as he dissects his forecasts for our losses, taking into account Covid, his praise for our ownership who continue their commitment to investing, his forecast for the amount we might be allowed to spend in the transfer market, but with a caveat, we might have to pay dearly for that in seasons to come. You'll hear how he describes Jack Grealish just secured on a new five-year deal, my captain, my captain, as a golden ticket An insurance policy. We also take a look around the rest of the Premier League. How despite winning the Premier League and of course the Champions League last season, the first league title for 30 years, Liverpool are licking their wounds financially. While Arsenal may have to offload Martinez to us against their better judgment. And why West Ham are in the same boat. And by contrast, why Everton and Leicester have a big cigar on at the moment. Dave also makes a cheeky prediction about how Villa might approach the end of this and subsequent transfer windows. So stay tuned for the professor of FFP, Dave Jordan. It's
0: really, really complicated now. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really important as well that we, that we at least sort of fairly early on ha- have an explanation between sort of cash flow and FFP because, you know, some of the figures that I might be talking about, you know, Fans are going to nest, like think, oh, we've got absolutely loads of money, you know. There's, there's not an issue there, but, but but you know, there's a reality in things where FFP is just how much can we spend within the regs, and cash flows is actually like how much can we afford, you know. The two very different things, really. But
1: it's a mistruth to say that FFP is cancelled this season. It's not.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's completely right. Um, I, I mean the, the, there is some truth to to it to an extent in that um, th- there is an averaging of this year's and last season's losses and, and their adjusted losses uh, and I'll come on to sort of explain what that means um, a little bit later on but but this year's FFP is, is most certainly not um, not cancelled and if anything um, it is going to catch a few clubs um, short particularly um, some of the promoted clubs.
1: Yeah let's talk about that Dave because previously promoted clubs from season 1819 and 1718 are disadvantaged by the transitional regulations and we are of course one of those years the way
0: ffp is calculated is based on a sort of maximum allowance of losses over a three-year rolling period and those losses are adjusted for various bits and pieces such as community spend spend on the youth team and various bits and pieces now the maximum loss for each year that you're in the premiership is 35 million And the maximum loss for the years that you're in the championship is 13 million. So broadly speaking, there's there's a 22 million pound difference for each year of the three years. You're looking back at at the championship figures. So, for example, last year's assessment, um, had it have been done, we would have had a maximum loss um, amount over the three years of 61 million, which is two years worth in the championship for 17, 18, 18, 19 And then one year at 35 million for the one year in the Premiership for last season. Now, ordinarily, what would have happened is this year that would have automatically have jumped up by 22 million, so from 61 to 83 million, which is really useful as particularly Villa are starting to spend a lot more money. So it actually sort of steps up the amount that you can lose. Um, However, what's different this year is that we are looking. Back almost four years' worth of figures. So for the maximum amount that you're allowed to lose this season, we are still looking at the 1718 period, which was in the Championship, the 1819 period, which is in the Championship, and then just one year of Premiership losses of 35 million. So. Basically, we are looking at a maximum allowance of losses of 61 million again this year, whereas ordinarily would have been 83 million pounds this year. Uh, and the main reason for that is because last year's FFP assessment, so the FFP assessment for the year ending 1920, has effectively been cancelled. So I think this is where some of the mistruths are coming out about FFP being cancelled for this current year. That's not right. There's an assessment this year. But last year, because the regulations were in place prior to COVID and then COVID hit and revenues plummeted, that is effectively the reason why the Premier League aren't doing an assessment as at the end of last season. Um, but it does mean that our adjusted, uh, sorry, our, our maximum losses over the three-year period um, is £61 million again this year as opposed to £83 million.
1: So, disadvantage then, and you've very clearly laid out the actual pounds and pence disadvantage to us. However, all the accountants, uh, Christian <coughs> Perslow and the boys, will be looking at the loopholes involved. Are we a big enough club to be included in a loophole, or is this the preserve of just Manchester City? No, I mean, we, uh, I mean
0: we've already demonstrated once that, that we've taken advantage of loopholes, and, and that was with the sale of Villa Park. Mm. And, I mean, the, the rights and wrongs of selling Villa Park are, are still up for debate in my mind, but, you know, that, that's what Villa did. And going back to the conversation that I just had there about the fact that clubs that were promoted have been disadvantaged by that £22 million. We're actually in a lucky situation because the year when we were promoted, so in the 1819 year, the accounts for that period, we submitted a £67 million loss. However, because of the fact that, and, well, actually, that included the sale of Villa Park as well. So still a 67 million pound loss. However, <laughs> we recorded, I think off the top of my head, 56 million pounds in total were promotion expenses. Now, 30 million pounds of that was um, the, the payment back to Tony Jar. And then in addition to that 56 million pounds, there was 11 million pounds spent on community and youth spend. In addition to all of that as well, there was also a 14 or 15 million pound payment in relation to HS2. So with all of those things that went on in the 1819 year, it actually meant that for that year, for FFP purposes, we broke even, even though we reported a loss of 67 million pounds through the accounts. Now, where that helps us this year is the fact that the losses this year are in essence now going to be halved. Because it's an average of the losses this year and the losses last year. So because, well, sorry, because in sorry because in the previous years that we're looking at, there was a figure of zero. Um, so last year, for FFP purposes, our loss was about six and a half million. For the previous year in the championship, our loss was in essence break even for FFP purposes. So because last year's loss was only six and a half million. This year's loss is going to be combined with that six and a half million and then halved. Now, that therefore gives us actually a lot of flexibility this year for FFP purposes um, to, to, to spend and still be within the regulations. Um, but there is quite a big book to that. Um, <laughs> and the but is, from my own figures this year, I think that we could spend this year up to... 240 million pounds wow and at the end of this season still be
1: within ffp hey dave we won't just be doing a fulham we'll be doing two fulhams well there is a major major book to that
0: and the major book to that is the the way amortization works in the accounts and so if for example we were to let's say spend 240 million pounds And that's on top of the £120 million that we spent last year. That would be a combined spend of £360 million. And what that would mean is that each year after that spend for four or five years, so the length of the player contracts that we've signed, we'll be putting through, before we've even started in the next year's accounts, £90 million in losses for just transfer activity before we before we sell any players so if for example we spent 240 million pounds this year whilst we wouldn't breach ffp this year and um, next year in my view we'd be over ffp so that would mean that we'd be in a position where we'd have to sell players for ffp so clearly that's not somewhere where i think the club would want to be however all that said i think this year we could afford to maybe increase the wage bill by 10 to 15 million pounds and i think we could still afford for ffp purposes and to not jeopardize the future ffp year as well could probably still afford to spend 120 to 150 million pounds
1: which gives us plenty of room so far of course we've signed cash for 16 million we've signed watkins for as much as 33 million Yeah. Emmy Martinez at 20 million, Mm -hmm. as much as. And who knows if Bertrand Traore is about to be announced. But you have predicted a financial loss of 20.5 million pounds for the last season, excluding the impact of COVID. Yes. And this can be added back in. Um, And then what you've done is the worst case scenario, which of course became real, finishing 17th, securing an extra 11 million pounds in prize money plus the extra money from staying in the Prem for another year. It sounds, Dave, like COVID may have got us out, and of course staying up, has got us out of a tremendous bother.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things to that. So so the £20.5 million pound figure that, that you've mentioned there is a figure that I've estimated excluding COVID. So that is, you know, there hasn't been any Premier League rebate, and um, which was £330 million shared across the across all the Premier League clubs, which for Villa was about £11 million. You know, it hasn't included the fact that, you know, our gate receipts have reduced significantly, you know, sponsorship might have reduced significantly. And the reason why that, that £20.5 20, 20. has excluded all that on purpose is because for FFP purposes, <clears throat> you can add back in the losses that have been incurred as a result of COVID-19. Now, where I was talking um, earlier about the six and a half million pounds for FFP, that's based on that 20.5 million pound loss, but then stripping out the the community and youth expenditure and and things like that. Now, when we talked earlier about loopholes, this is the area where there are significant loopholes and loopholes which clubs like Villa with, with wealthy owners can take advantage of. And the reason for that is, is because how do you put a number on the cost and the impact of COVID to a football club. So, you know, you've got Villa where there's a nine and a half thousand season ticket waiting list. You know, we've got the um, new sponsorship deal that we've sorted out recently. Um, which which is, Kazoo? That, that's right, which is on the front of the shirts. You know, has that been affected by COVID? You know, almost certainly it has. And, you know, would we have got more sponsorship had COVID have not happened you know without knowing the details of that particular sponsorship de- de- deal you know i could almost say with certainty that you know they have paid less money because of the the lower exposure yeah you know you don't have people in the ground you don't have ha- have a, as much interest in the football as what maybe that there once was when when all the fans are there and pre covid in addition to that you've got other expenditure, well other re- revenue which you know can we add back in you, You know, Villa in recent years have had record shirt sales, or we'd like to believe have had record shirt sales. However, when you haven't got people going to the club every week for the match days, you know, how many shirt sales have we lost? How much merchandising have we lost? With regards to, you know, corporate entertainment, you know, our first year back in the Premiership, how much have we lost there? You know, all these things are, at best, guesswork. And the Premier League is going to find it very, very difficult to argue against an inflated figure because surely all the football clubs are going to go on worst case scenario and say this is what we could have had. And, you know, it's got to be in the accounts. All of this information, all these COVID-related costs have got to be reported in the accounts, which is going to make the accounts process more more complicated and more detailed this year. But providing the club can get the accountants to sign off on whatever um, the club think is the COVID-related costs, there's massive loopholes there, massive, massive yeah. loopholes. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and that, that's something that, that I expect Villa to, Villa to probably, um, take advantage of, similar to how we did in our, in our last year in the Championship. And you know, that's only suspicion, but that, but that's what I think, because it'll give clubs with wealthy backers
1: massive, massive opportunities. Dave, for the first time in about seven years. It seems like Aston Villa might be on the right side of the regulations, that we're beginning to win, that actually there's some forecast, there's some planning. And, of course, if we look at the last two seasons, particularly the climaxes, Derby County, of course, at Wembley in May 2019, and, of course, West Ham, not to mention Arsenal, in the game before it at the end of uh, the season in 2020, means that uh, this tremendous fortune, and let's say, let's call it fortune, of course, they were good results on the day, but the fortune, the thin line between winning and losing has finally, finally put us on the right side of the regulations and we're in a winning situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're fortunate in the fact that, you know, I think with regulations, and as we've seen over recent years, with numerous clubs and rich clubs, you know, there's ways of getting around the regulations. And where we have benefited is the fact that, we're in a position where we've got wealthy owners who are able to sort of take advantage of those those particular opportunities I, I mean i think it is really worthwhile mentioning that i've banged on in the past about sustainability and at the moment aston villa are nowhere near even in the premiership with our transfer spend spend at the moment nowhere near sustainable our, our wages are under control but you know with the spend that we're having at the moment we are relying upon our billionaire owners to to keep on pumping money in. Mm. And that has been massively compounded as well by the fact that whilst we're talking about FFP and the fact that you can add back in COVID costs and expenses and there's loopholes here, there and everywhere, none of that matters if you don't have owners that are prepared and willing to put the money in. Now, at the moment, our owners have been very good for that and, you know, appear to be continuing to do that. But, you know, if, if you take a step back and look why some other clubs aren't spending money, this is the reason why. You know, it's not because of FFP. It's because of cash flow and it's because clubs physically do not have the money. I mean, a couple of prime examples. Liverpool have lost masses of money through Covid. You know, the, the £330 million rebate for the Premier League, £17 million of that is having to be paid by Liverpool, whereas Villa have had to pay £10.5 million, for example right there is then a similar rebate but i think it's 500 million for the champions league and likewise you know that's getting distributed across all the teams based on how far they've progressed so you know it, it, just from the rebates going back to the tv companies i mean liverpool might be on the might be on the hook for 35 40 million then you factor in you know all of their commercial activity their sponsorship activity you know the the the, the people who pay for the boxes All of those things Liverpool have massively, massively lost out on. And that's all revenue that's coming into the club. And at the
1: same time, Liverpool have got a huge wage bill. You know what? This is a very, very interesting revelation here, Dave. Because, I mean, basically Liverpool are now, alongside, you'd say, Bayern Munich, the most successful football club in the world. And this COVID thing has come at a tremendously inopportune time. European champions last season... League champions for the first time in a generation this year. And, you know, this would have been the point where they could have built a bit of a dynasty based upon their performances. But now with this massive loss in revenue, opportunity, cost and indeed real cost, the opportunity for Jurgen Klopp to continue building on what he's done on a footballing basis before is now under threat. I mean, I know this is a Villa podcast, but this is where we want to be. You know, to be back where Liverpool are and uh, actually um, the success of Liverpool is actually in a way being punished uh, by Covid and the regulations.
0: No, that's exactly right. And I mean, you are right. This is a Villa podcast, but this is the reason for raising it. You know, it's to identify how lucky we are by having really rich owners at this point in time, because otherwise we could be on our knees. You know, Liverpool champions, European champions only a couple of years ago are in a position where they can't afford to spend much money. You know, West Ham, exactly the same. They've stayed up. You know, the reason why West Ham are selling like really good prospects in who they've just sold to to West Brom and, you know, aren't spending much money is because they've got really bad owners. They've got owners that are taking 17 million pounds a year in interest, (laughs) aren't prepared to put money into the club at a point in time where the club club is losing money because of COVID. Another example, Arsenal. Why are Arsenal selling Martinez for 20 million pounds? because they don't have an owner that's putting in money. You know, Premier League clubs and football clubs across Europe are hemorrhaging money because of COVID. And, you know, this is where Villa have got a real, real opportunity at the moment because we are lucky. You know, we've got some FFP headroom, we've got billionaire owners. So, you know, so, so we are lucky. FFP hasn't been cancelled this year. We have some headroom. We've got billionaire owners that we're massively
1: reliant upon at the moment. Dave, I just want to drop in there that the point of FFP with Michel Platini all those years ago was to stop the billionaire owners from bankrolling football clubs into a sort of casino business where only the big clubs ever won anything. And now we're in a situation where, uh, you know, with the best one in the world, you know, we think Villa are the greatest football team the world has ever seen. But we are a secondary Premier League club until further notice. But actually now what you're saying is that it's clubs like us from positions 11 to 20 in big cities that could benefit from this just because we were soldiers of fortune, just because we were relegated for three seasons and just because we survived on the last day at West Ham. This is an amazing revelation that we could have never imagined even 12 months ago.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I mean, again, there's other circumstances that have helped towards that. And, you know, we've talked about the loophole that Villa have previously got out of. In, in the 18-19 year and you know we can't get away from that you know that has helped our ffp position incredibly so uh, and on top of that the fact that you know we've got this averaging effect this year which is also helping us because of the fact that our ffp loss last year wasn't wasn't that large you know so we're in a, a fortunate position there and you know that's the reason why maybe we're striking whilst the irons hot this season and you know it's also the same reason why chelsea are able to spend loads of money you know Right. Chelsea are spending loads of money and Man City aren't particularly spending loads of money, even though they've got wealthy owners. What's the reason? Well, Man City have been pushing FFP for a while. So, you know, so they're towards the they're towards the ceiling at the moment. And that's somewhere Villa are going to get quite soon if we carry on down the path we're going. But Chelsea have had a transfer ban for 18 months. So, you know, right. so that well, so given them FFP headroom, They've got a wealthy owner, which has meant that they can splash the cash again. You know, that's so in interesting. a position where it's timing at the moment and um, combined with having wealthy owners. And, you know, that's probably the reason why we are rolling the dice a little bit.
1: In uh, which case, Dave, let me just ask you about clubs, perhaps in a similar position to us financially, historically and indeed geographically. Um, can we expect a similar push forward by Wolves and Leicester our West Midlands and East Midlands neighbours are they in a similar situation to us uh, Leicester I mean, is spending a lot of money Wolves have developed a great uh, team I mean you know this is a bit of a podcast and we we're not going to cheer for them too much <laughs> but their managers just signed a new three-year contract they have something together and they really believe they're onto something what's the situation with Wolves and of course Leicester champions three seasons ago
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't go into too much detail because I haven't looked at their their sort of cases that closely. But I mean, there's two points to make there. Leicester, first of all, Leicester's transfer activity has been incredible. You know, the amount of money they have pulled in, you know, even Ben Chilwell, he's just gone for another 50 million. You know, I would imagine Leicester have got masses of headroom in FFP. But, you know, I don't know how much money their owners have got. I know they're obviously very, very, very wealthy. But, you know, yes. it's not just having wealthy owners. It's having wealthy owners who are prepared to pump in hundreds of millions of pounds into a, into a, a football club where, where, you know, you're probably going to lose that money, you know, be, being realistic. I, I mean, another example of a, a club who have massively taken advantage of the situation with wealthy owners is Everton. You know, how much money have Everton spent this summer? You know, and they've brought in Rodriguez. who's so was an incredible signing. You know, why have they done that? Because there's an opportunity this year for them to push forward and they've got wealthy owners, you know. Uh, And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa type these last two signings that's been mentioned, so, you know, so Martinez and Traore, and then wait towards the end of the window because clubs are on their knees with regards to cash flow. You know, they have got astronomical wage bills and a massive, massive chunk of their... Revenue at the moment is stopped, so you know. I think that there'll be loads of clubs towards the end of the transfer window who are going to realize we need some working capital, and we need it. Wow!
1: Quickly.
0: So, you know, th- th- again, there might be an opportunity towards the end of the window, which for, for Villa, I think is the 5th of October. I think it is. There's two different windows one for, one for the championship and one for Europe. Because, just as an example you know i think we we pulled in something like 110 million pounds in broadcasting revenue last year then we had to pay 10 million pounds back because of the rebate we're going to have to pay back some this year again because of the rebate so 110 million 100 million in broadcasting revenue our wage bill is probably now with the signings that we're going to make this year is probably about 105 110 million so you know you, you can almost see straight off the bat broadcasting against our wage bill is almost going to net each other off soon
1: and i think we must say at this point eh, that there is a huge difference between ffp and clash flow can you just kind of break that down so we all understand
0: so so ffp is uh, their regulations based upon an adjusted profit and loss account figure so I'll, this again a little bit technical with regards to sort of accounting terms but profit and loss figure is the Is the headline page in the accounts that tells you whether as a club you're profitable or not? However, the accounting mechanism for that isn't real with how cash actually comes into a club and out of a club. An example of that might be you know, say we make a signing for a hundred million pounds. Okay, that signing in our profit and loss account will show us a 20 million pound cost in the first year. Right. Right. That person signed a four-year contract, so you'll see £20 million in the next four years' worth of accounts. Oh, sorry, five years' worth of accounts, so £100 million, so £20 million for f- five years. So, you know, so you'll see a loss each year in the PL of £20 million. However, the reality is, is that the club that we bought that player for £100 million might say, well, actually, we want £60 million up front, and then for the next four years, you can give us £10 million a year. You know, so even though in the profit and loss account, so for FFP, we're only showing that it's cost us 20 million pounds. The reality is in the first year, it's actually cost us 60 million pounds. And, you know, that needs to come from somewhere. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so that that's a very simplistic overview of why cash flow is very different to the PL. and And in addition to that, FFP now, I mean, I mentioned earlier, it's, so complex now, it's it's incredible.
1: Yes, that but, sounds absolutely but amazing.
0: With, but with regards to FFP, you know, all of this money that's been lost because of COVID can magically get put back in for FFP. The reality is, it, you know, in, in cash terms, it's lost money. You, do, do you know what I mean? It's, that money isn't coming in. You know, that rebate of £330 million across all the Premier League clubs – that is lost money. You know, the 500 million or 700 million pound deal with Chinese TV for the overseas rights, that is lost money. You know, for FFP for the next two years, it can get miraculously added back in. And the reason for that is is because the, the governing bodies are saying no one could have forecast that this was going to happen. You know, clubs have done their FFP projections based upon the revenue they're expecting to come in if all of a sudden that's just being cut right you know the the,
1: the
0: the governing bodies are saying okay we can't realistically say you could have expected this so that's why we're not penalizing you for it but again going back to the earlier comment the the reality of it is is that money is now lost you know i, I mean I, i'll just quickly bring up my bring up my spreadsheet you know i mean last year Oh, sorry, for, for, for last year, I mean, my, my approximations are, you know, gate receipts, £15 million, pounds, sponsorship, £15 million, pounds, commercial activity, £22 million. Pounds. You know, top of my head, that, that's £52 million. Pounds. How much of that, realistically, are we going to have raked in since March last year with no sight of someone coming back into, fans coming back into the ground? You know, that's £52 million. Pounds. You know, I'd imagine at least 10 to 20 million of that's
1: lost. You know, you go to the Liverpools of this world and that's three, four, five times as large. It's enormous. Dave, we're going to timestamp this interview because literally while we've been talking, Aston Villa have announced the five-year contract signing of my captain, Jack Grealish, a new deal with Aston Villa. By the time this goes to air... Obviously, it will be news that everyone has digested. But Dave, just for your reaction, as far as FFP is concerned, how impacting is having a world-class player that cost us nothing, that we developed, that we are now signing inside the club without fear of having to sell him for 80 million, 90 million, 100 million or anything uh, to balance the books? What does Jack Grealish mean financially? We know what he means in our hearts and our minds what does he mean financially to Aston Villa and the equation of FFP?
0: Well, you know, for FFP, is just an ongoing basis. It doesn't mean that much. And the reason why it doesn't mean that much is because we haven't had to pay any money for him. Right. But what Jack Grealish is for FFP is he's our golden ticket. You know, if for any reason FFP becomes a concern, and, you know, for, for example, you know, if we got relegated, heaven forbid we don't. If we don't got say it. Don't say it. But... You know, he's an £80 million asset that we haven't paid for. So, again, the the accounting method for that means that everything that comes into the club for Jack Grealish, whatever we sell him for, hits the profit and loss account immediately as a profit. So, you know, he's our golden bullet to solve FFP, should we ever need to. And, you know, let's hope that's not the case. And, you know, we've talked about how we might have been fortunate from COVID from a villa financial point of view with regards to ffp jack grealish is another example of that you know i think there would have been more clubs prepared to take an 80 million pound punt on jack grealish had the financial difficulties caused by covid not happened
1: a very very clear assessment as always dave jordan thank you very much for unpacking that for explaining it to aston villa supporters who in this last half hour are more knowledgeable about FFP and certainly more encouraged now as the season moves forward. Dave, thanks a lot.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Johnny.